We're going to get right into this because it's a little bit longer with stuff, and I want to make sure that I unpack uh, a little bit more of chapter 8. Pastor Joe last week uh, uh, started chapter 8 of the book of Romans. How many of you have enjoyed the series so far? It's good, man. It's deep. It's hard. It's tough. It's a mirror, you know. It's crazy good. But I want to, if you're taking notes, I want you to write down who carries you now. Who carries you now? And in our series, chapter 8 has multiple facets and messages. This chapter has been called the inner sanctuary within the cathedral of Christian faith. The inner sanctuary within the cathedral. That, that's how, how, how rich it is, how deep it is, how many... Uh, and, and we're not going to... I probably could preach all summer just on Romans chapter 8. Amen? So Paul writes that in this, that we're free from condemnation. He writes that we have the Holy Spirit indwelling within us. We, he writes that we've been adopted. Somebody say adopted. Adopted is awesome because that means there's a deliberate choice. Amen. God deliberately chose to adopt us. Uh, he writes that resurrection is ahead and resurrection is our hope. And we have God's promise. He writes that we have God's promise to bring every situation into good for our benefit. So we're going to look at Romans chapter 8 verse 18 through 22 this morning. He writes, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that's to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected, subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from the bondage to corruption. I want you to hear that, so we're going to unpack that. The creation itself will be set free from the bondage, from its bondage to corruption, and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. So first of all, Paul in verse 18 is saying that what we go through is difficult. That what we go through is trials. It's, it can be devastating. It's life. It's loss. It's not easy. How many of you recognize that life is not easy? It's not easy. There's, there's a glory in it. And then there's the other part of it. And sometimes they just go side by side. So, the disappointments, but Paul is writing there's going to be an end. And he likens it to, if you will, childbirth. Birth pains. I've, I've never had a child. I mean, I've never birthed a child. Praise Jesus. There was never a, there was a time when I'm in the labor room with my wife and I thought, Jesus, thank you for making me a man. Because I don't think I could go through what she is going through right now. Now, I was asking Robbie, I said, so what are some of the symptoms of, you know, birth pangs and childbirth and pregnancy and, and whatnot? And she said, well, you know, morning sickness. And I said, well, I've been kind of sick in the morning every once in a while. You know, and I would think, you know, just looking back, I think, you know, sometimes there's kind of, you know, grumpiness, like, okay, well, I've been grumpy or, 
headaches or, you know, some of the, or nauseous or something like that, but I realized, okay, so I've experienced some symptoms, but I've never had the real deal. You know what I'm saying? And, and, I, and I mean, when I, when I look at that, it, to me, it, it is absolutely amazing that actually the earth is even populated, y'all. I'm serious. When I look at that, I'm like, we have billions of people? Because somebody, some mom has been willing to go through the pain and they're willing to go through the pain and the birth cycle because they realize there's new life and there's hope at the end of it. And, and this, is what, this is what Paul is actually, actually talking about. And, and second of all, notice that creation is groaning. So what is creation groaning for? I think about groaning. Creation is also under, the Bible says, the bondage of corruption and decay from the sin curse that's released on the earth. So it not only affects us, but it actually affects creation itself. I don't know if you've considered that. You know, it's, it's like, um, there is, have you ever noticed that everything decays? That everything, like you buy it new and then pretty, it's all nice and shiny and it works perfectly. And then down the road, it's like, damn, this thing is not working. I'm going to have to maintain it. I'm going to have to take care of it, but it's just not new. How many of you like the new smell? How many of you realize that new doesn't say, stay new? You know, I, I, I mean, we got an opportunity. We were having a car worked on the other day and they gave us a, they gave us a brand new car. I mean, it had like, what, maybe six miles on it to drive, I'm like, oh, the new car smell is awesome for probably a week. And then when you put your kids in it and all that, then it doesn't smell like that anymore. But, but new doesn't, doesn't stay new anymore. And, and, and the news is full. If we read the news, it's full of the effects of sin on people and through people and in people, but it's also full of the effects on creation. Creation is actually dying. The Bible says there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, and the old heaven and the old earth will burn. I don't think we think about sin and the catastrophic results that it's been, because everybody here has been touched by sin of some sort. You know, there's been relationships that have been shattered, there's been, there's been things that have been stolen, there's been emotions that have been trashed, there's been bodies and all kinds of stuff, but I don't think in a way that we recognize when we look at creation, we look at the beauty that God created, that it actually is suffering under the same sentence of death. That's crazy, huh? It's almost like that's why nature seems at times to be at war with itself. Or nature at times seems to be at war with man, or man is at war with nature. It's like we, you know, we've got we've got you know storms and floods and earthquakes and fires and all this kind of stuff that basically is this constant grind. Everything that we see is a creation that's frustrated, that's broken, and in bondage. It's still beautiful. But can you imagine what it's going to look like when it's whole, when it's a new heaven and a new earth? When the sentence and the bondage of sin is no longer imposed upon it? And so it's just like the natural body. If you think about it, your natural body grows old and you need to steward it. The natural creation needs to be stewarded, but what we see will pass away. I mean, think about the natural body. 
You know, I, I actually, I don't know why I did this, because it was actually a little depressing. But I decided, I'm going to look up some of the effects of aging, and like, when do people start really aging, right? And I looked at this, this study, and it basically said, yeah, when you hit about 30 years of old, you start aging. I'm like, oh my gosh. They're talking about organs begin to break down, cells begin to die, your body's not able to kind of rejuvenate and redo this. And I'm like, man, we are all screwed. <laughs> sorry. Hey, I didn't get much sleep last night. I'm sorry, my filter might not be what it should be. I woke up about 3.30 in the morning and like the neighbor, something died in the neighbor's yard. I mean, something got killed. It was brutal. Can't unhear that sound. I was never able to go back to sleep. So I'm just like, well, okay, whatever. We're just going to get through this. Give me a Red Bull. I haven't had Red Bull in years. I don't even know what a Red Bull tastes like. Give me a Red Bull. <laughs> you want me to preach two services? And so my, um, my church administrator said, no, I'm not giving you one. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do that to you because you're not 30 anymore. Right? <laughs> oh my goodness. You know, come on, let's, let, let's think about this. You know, you get a little older, right? And the check engine light starts coming on a little bit more often. Because there's a, there's a, there's a breakdown process. Man, I'm looking forward. But see, see, here's what holds me through it. Because I'm looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth and the new body. Can you imagine what the new body's going to look like? Seriously. I think actually Jesus modeled it. You know, when he rose and he appeared to over 500, he actually transported right through a closed door. He ate. He was lifted up into heaven. I mean, I think it's like, man, that is going to be so cool. I'm not going to have to say, beam me up, God, anymore. I'm just going to do it. <laughs> and so creation groans. And we also groan. Romans 8.23 says, and not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies. We see that creation grows, groans, and we see that believers groan. Come on, think about how much we're weighed down by the burdens of life. We become weary in soul, weary in pain. We become uh, weighed down by the burden of loss, rejection, self-images, relational rejection, financial issues, loss of life, family, and it weighs on us. And about the time you get through one situation, another one pops up. About the time that you navigate through one health crisis, there's a check engine light going on again. I feel good here, but what is wrong with my foot now? Now, if you're under 30, you don't have to worry about that too much. But I'm telling you what, over 30, it's going to start happening. But I want you to, I want you to consider this, because if you think about this, we all groan. The other day, <laughs> I'm putting my shoes on, and, and Robbie goes, why are you groaning? I'm like, I'm not groaning. He says, yeah, you are. You're in there groaning. Come on, how many of you been groaning? Yeah, pray. You were a lot more honest than the first service. <laughs> I only had two hands. I'm like, boy, you guys are all right. Come on, think about this. We all groan. We do. 
There's something in us. Come on. I want, okay, here's what we're going to do. If you're online with us, do it at home too because it's, it's important. You just follow along with us. The count of three, I'm going to want you to groan. Okay? We're all going to groan on three. One, two, three. Well, that wasn't too bad. That was better than the first service, wasn't it? I still think we got it better than that. One, two, three. I mean, we can groan with the best of them, right? Hey, listen, if it says creation's groaning, creation's groaning, and we groan. And there's something that I, I, I just, I just kind of want to unpack with you this morning. We see the instruction of God in 1 Peter 5.7. Where it says, Cast, casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. I want to talk to you just for a moment or two about the transfer of burden principle. Okay, once again, casting all your anxieties. Another translation says cares because He cares for you. And what happens is you either transfer your burdens, your groaning, your stress, your fear, and anxiety in the right place on Jesus, or you will dump it on others, and you will internalize it, and it becomes anger. I did this study, read this study about uh, mental health um, criteria metric it's called a dsm dsm5 and it basically said that anger is present as a as a key criterion in five different diagnoses within that dsm5 intermittent explosive disorder oppositional defiant disorder disruptive mood dysregulation disorder borderline personality disorder and bipolar disorder that the key criteria is all inward frustration and anger because burdens are something that we're not designed to carry. And when we're not designed to carry something, it will break you down mentally and physically. And yet there's a prescription. The Bible gives us a prescription to be able to actually cast your cares on Him. Cast your anxieties on Him. Jesus said, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. And yet we don't rest and we don't do this because we don't do this very well at all. And if we don't transfer our anxiety, our fears, our cares, then we medicate, we intoxicate, uh, we, uh, we, we do legal drugs, we do illegal drugs, we turn to other stuff, we turn to pornography, we turn to all kinds of stuff to distract us because we're carrying stuff that we're never meant to carry. Because we're groaning. We're groaning. And so when we, when we look at this, we're much better at casting our burdens on other people than on God. And how many of you have received that? Somebody comes in just like piles on you. And suddenly, it's not only your stuff you're carrying, but you're carrying their stuff. Like, what do I do with this? I mean, I, I've got enough to, I, I can barely carry it. Well, you know what? You're not supposed to carry your stuff. You're supposed to be able to transfer your stuff and give your stuff up and be released from some of that things. There's a, now listen, it doesn't mean that we don't counsel with people that can walk with us through trials. There's a biblical precedent in this that's important. 
In Galatians 5, uh, 6, 1, 2, it says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. I think right there we need to pause. If anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore in a spirit of gentleness. That's really important because a lot of times we just like to uncover stuff and point fingers and judge. Or if we do restore, it's like, it's, it, it, you know, if, if we do, it, it, you know, we, can, we, we can actually be kind of unkind and mean about it instead of doing it in a spirit of gentleness. Why? Because it says, keep watch on yourself lest you also are tempted. The very thing you judge, you'll be judged for. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And then we find that, that, that we need to make sure we're sharing a burden to process, it, to process it in a healthy way and we're not sharing it because of gossip, slander, division, or complaint. How many times are you facing an issue, a tension, a stress, and instead of the first thing going to the Lord in prayer, we try to take care of it ourselves, And then finally, Lord, I guess I need your help. You know, it's an age-old problem. Nothing's changed. And you know, the key that I find is in that same passage of Scripture, 1 Peter 5, 7 we read, but looking at verse 6, it says, Humble yourselves, therefore under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your cares on Him because He cares for you. It's usually a lack of humility that keeps us from unpacking stuff. Because the opposite of humility is pride. I got this. You know, I find that, that sometimes, you know, we have, we, we have a, an amazing encounter. The Holy Spirit is just moving. I mean, God is just moving. And I'll find that, that a lot of times, if, if I can just encourage people, just take a step, come up to the altar, let somebody pray with you, and this might be the day that that addiction's broken, that mindset's broken, that anxiety is set free, that fear is broken. But you know what? A lot of times keeps us from doing that. Pride. I don't want to see, I don't want anybody, if I walk up front, somebody will know there's something wrong with me. Can I tell you this? There is something wrong with you. There's something wrong with me. We need each other. We need community. I'm going to tell you what I think. I think that when we have an altar call, the whole altar should just be filled with people because there's nobody that's arrived. There's nobody that's been completely healed. There's nobody that's been completely set free. We're all on a journey. And listen, we need community and we need what God is doing through people. I need you praying for me. You need me praying for you. That's how this thing works. God cares for you in your groaning. In your journey, God cares for you in your trials. And then we see that the Holy Spirit groans. So we see that creation groans. We see that, that we groan. And we see that the Holy Spirit groans. There's a whole lot of groaning that's going on. I mean, you think about it, this kind of interesting. Chapter 8 is an amazing reference to the Holy Spirit's indwelling and the Holy Spirit activity. The Holy Spirit in chapter 8 is mentioned 18 times. I think Paul is trying to make a point. There's a resource, there's a download, there's an amazing divine part of the Trinity that you need. 
You need to get to know Him. You need to walk with Him. He's inside of you. He's not outside of you. He's in you. He's interceding. He's praying for you. Like, whoa, are you kidding me? I've got, it'd be like, it'd be like, I mean, if you think about it, I, you know, I, I played basketball for a number of years. It'd be like, you know, Michael Jordan or LeBron James suddenly is like, hey, how about I be on your team? I'm like, bro, that is cool. I'll pass you the ball. I can still dunk, but I'll pass you the ball. So when we look at this, Romans 8, 26, it says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. How many of you feel weak? Come on, I do. Helps, help me. For we do not know what to pray, okay, as we ought. Hmm. How many of you have ever been in a situation you didn't know really how to pray? But the Holy Spirit inside you is actually helps me know what to pray. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings. Somebody say groanings. Too deep for words. Groanings. There's that word again. Groanings. Ugh. Holy Spirit inside me. Groaning. Interceding. Creation is groaning. Believers are groaning. The Holy Spirit is groaning. And the Holy Spirit's interceding for us. Have you ever thought that Jesus is also at the right hand of the Father interceding for the saints? And the Holy Spirit's inside us? So inside and out, you have an intercession that's going on our behalf. You have this amazing resource of heavenly origin that I don't think we grasp how important that is. We don't grasp the significance of it. The definition of an intercessor is someone who prays, who petitions, or begs God in favor of another person. Have you ever stepped in to intercede for somebody? Actually was kind of a... She's gone, so I think I tell the story. So we were up in Alaska... And uh, we were in a river. We, we, we ministered at the church up there. We uh, you know, had two or three or four meetings. By the way, North Kenai Chapel, they're doing great. Pastor John and Kathy are doing amazing. Church is growing. It's exciting. But we got to fish. Okay, we got to fish, which is really cool. Uh, the river was pretty high, and you got to get in the river. So for me, there was times it was up here. So we got Robbie a fishing license, but it was just too high for her. She would have bobbed all the way down, so we just decided she didn't have to. But what was really cool, I mean, what was fun, it was fun for me, is that Crystal, our church administrator, and her husband were with us. She's helping the, the church and admin type stuff, so we took them with her. And she decided, she's, and she was a rock star out there fishing. She really did good. But there was a point in time where she falls in the river. I mean, she's, she's falling, and it was so cool because I just reached out and just like, bam, grabbed her, pulled her up. I felt so cool. I interceded for her. I inter that's, that's intercession. I ain't going to let you bob down the river. No way. Think about this. This is what the Holy Spirit does for us all the time. We find ourselves in that place where you're falling. You're about ready to be overcome. You're about ready to drown. And the Holy Spirit grabs you and says, no, I ain't letting you go. I'm not letting you go. I'm pulling with you. I'm holding on to you. I'm interceding for you. And the cool thing is you have, you, you know, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, you have two of the divine 
parts of the Trinitarian God that are praying for you, interceding for you. It's like, how can you go wrong? It's such an important principle. A lot of times when you talk about intercession, you'll be like, well, that's just for like people like, you know, Susie, the prayer pastor, or, you know, the pastor, like really spiritual people. No, we're actually all called to intercede. We're all called to intercede because Jesus, that's his nature. That's the nature of the Holy Spirit. Jesus and the Holy Spirit, basically, that, that's the nature of God. In fact, in the Old Testament, God was looking for intercessors on the behalf of Israel. It says in Isaiah 59, 16, He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no one to intercede. And then His own arm brought Him salvation His righteousness upheld Him. So the interpretation and layout in Romans 8 gives us a picture of the Holy Spirit taking a hold of you as a believer and me as a believer and pulling us through continually having basically laid a hold of us and pulling us into and through the journey and through the trials. And can I tell you, it's important for you to know the Holy Spirit. A lot of people in church are way more comfortable with Father God, Abba Father, Daddy God. <laughs> Pastor Joel addressed that last week. I thought he did an amazing job. And they're really familiar and comfortable with Jesus. But I'm telling you what, if, if we're not careful, the Holy Spirit, basically it's like that crazy cousin that you hope doesn't show up at a barbecue. Seriously, it's kind of it's amazing. And a lot of it is because I don't think we are, we, we're not theologically sound in our doctrine. And I think too that we're not in control. Father, okay, that's cool. Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father. Holy Spirit in me? Holy Spirit in you? And then we're trying, to, we're trying to look at this relationship that we have with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, well, it's, it's, you know, I, I have to go so the Comforter will come. Oh, cool. What do I do with the Comforter? You know? I mean, it's, is that what I put on my bed? You know, is that what's up on the, the shelf for, you know, special times? No. Comforter, counselor, helper, equipper, gifter. I mean, it's like Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I go. It's going to be a whole lot better for you if I go because I'm going to send the helper to you. So you need to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's not an it. The Bible teaches the Holy Spirit has emotions. It tells us in Ephesians 4.30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. You can't grieve somebody that has no emotions. The Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit teaches us. In John 14, 26, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. The Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit guides us. I'll be honest with you, man. There's so many times in my life that if I would have just had a more vibrant understanding of the role of the Holy Spirit, I would have made a whole lot mess and cleanup needed in aisle five in my life. Because the Holy Spirit will guide us. But a lot of times we just, we just make decisions and then we ask God to rubber stamp it. Oh, this is what I'm going to do, God. Would you bless it? I have people that do that to me all the time as, as a pastor. 
You know, I, I've never, I never want to direct, I never want to control people's lives, but I'll have people make life-altering, huge decisions, and then come to me and tell me what they're going to do. When all I've ever asked is just let me put some stuff on the table as you're praying and deciding. But most of the time they'll just come, they've already made their mind up, and it's just like, bless me Father, that's what they want. I think we do that to the Holy Spirit. I think we do that to God. God, I've made my plans, now would you bless them? Instead of God, what are your plans? I want to be what? I want to be right in the middle of your plans. I want, I want to be right in the middle of your vision. I want to be right in the middle of where your heart is. I want to be doing what you want to do. I want to go where, where, where you want me to go. So he guides us because it says Romans 8, 14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. A defining, distinctive thing, whether you are a son or daughter of God, if you're being led by the Holy Spirit. And if you're not being led by the Holy Spirit, I'm not saying that you aren't a son or daughter of God, but I'm saying maybe you need to get a lot closer to, to the Holy Spirit than what you are. The Holy Spirit, the Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit commissions and sends in Acts 13, 4. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, it went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. The Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit gives gifts. Ah, how many of you love gifts? Come on, it's all good. It's all good. You know, think about this, Gus. I mean, you love it when your dad gives you a gift. Yeah, he doesn't? He, he does. Okay, he does. Whew. Just mess with you. Because you know that what he's going to give you is going to be a good thing. You know, he's not going to give you like a white elephant gift. He's not, you know what I'm saying? You ever get a white elephant? Well, maybe he would. Okay. But think about this in 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11. It speaks of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It speaks of the, the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, gift of faith, gifts of healing, gift of miracles, gift of prophecy, discerning of spirits, tongues, languages. And sometimes what happens is we like, well, I kind of like about four out of five. I like that prophecy thing. I like that word. I don't know about that language thing. That's a little different. Do you realize that Paul said, I speak in the tongues of men and angels? I remember one time I, I was listening to Pastor Jack Hayford, who was probably one of the foremost theologians in, in, in our nation. And he said, he said, when you think about the beauty of spiritual language, you think about tongues, a lot of times people, Christians go, oh, I don't know about that. Why? Because it's something you don't understand. But he said this, he said, there's over 6,000 known dialects on the earth. And then there's the tongue of heaven. There's a mystery that sometimes what happens is that we don't like mystery. We like it all laid out. And I'm telling you what, you got to know the Holy Spirit. you got to receive it. So, so I'm going to ask you as our worship team comes, who carries you now? Who's carrying you through the groaning of creation? Who's carrying you through your own groaning and the things that you deal with and the, you walk through? Who's carrying you? Are you, actually principle, are, you, are, are you actually having a healthy principle of transfer when it comes to burdens? Are you casting your burdens on Him? Who is carrying you through when you have one inside you that helps you, that guides you, that equips you, that heals you, that basically teaches you, that gives gifts to you? I mean, he's got a whole bunch of stuff that he wants to bring into your life. 
The Holy Spirit not only present at creation, but working in us and through us. Can I just say this? You need to know Him. And maybe today you know Jesus, but you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit. I would just encourage you. You may not understand it all, but, but at the end, we're going to have people up here you know, to, to pray for you. Just come up and say, you know, I'm not sure what all this is, but if there's a helper, if there's a comforter, Lord, I just need it. And finally this morning in Romans 8, 28, a lot of times we, we speak this and we, we don't understand the implication of it or we misapply it. Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good. Sometimes we stop there. But it says, as we know that those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose. So a lot of times we're going through difficult stuff and our rote reply is, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you just have been devastated by divorce, but all things work together for good. That's not the application. Here's what we need to understand. God does not cause all these things, but He will take all these things. And he will, he will pick you up. He will hang on to you. He will heal the brokenness in your life. He will take this addiction that has actually ravaged your family and He will actually take you and He will redeem you if you will just love Him and walk with Him. And then it says, for those who He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son in order... Man, you were, you were formed and... Con- you, there's a purpose that you're supposed to be looking like Jesus more and more and more. And those who He predestined, He also called. Those who He called, He also justified. Those who He justified, He also glorified. Man, that is one... Like probably two messages right there on, on election and predestination. But I'm telling you, the thing that really stood out to me is what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? There's a quote by John Piper that really touched me. He writes, God is doing a thousand things in your life right now and you're only aware of two of them. That's how magnificent, that's how immense, that's how amazing that God is, that we're just kind of aware of a little bit of what God's doing, but He has a greater purpose and greater plan. Can I just say this to you this morning, church? God is seeing you. God has found you. God has loved you first. God loved you while we were yet sinners. God chose you and God called you. And our response is just yes. Is yes. God, I want to know you. I want to know you. And I'm going to ask you this morning, will you accept the invitation? I'm going to pray first. I'm going to pray two or three things this morning. First of all, I just want to pray for people you're walking through. Like I just had a sense this morning as I was praying that there are people that have come in here this morning and something fundamentally needs to change or or you're not sure that you're going to make it. I'm going to declare to you this morning, this is what I feel the Holy Spirit saying, you are going to make it because I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. You are going to get through this. 
because the Holy Spirit is laying a hold of you and is interceding for you and he's actually praying what you don't even know how to pray that's what the scripture says you're going to make it if 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 I could just speak this over you what shall we say to these things if God is for us who can be against us God is for you God is not against creation might be groaning you might be groaning but the Holy Spirit's groaning is interceding and it's so deep you can't even put it into words but it's moving things it's shifting things it's healing things it's encouraging things it's changing how your filters are going it's basically changing the, the, the you know the, the, the whole aspect over your life secondly I want you to bow your heads and hearts if you're here this morning and you're like man I didn't I've known about Jesus, but I've never really taken that, that made that decision. It's like, like people that were being baptized this morning, they were making a public profession of what God has done on the inside. And so I'm going to ask you this morning, if you're here and you've never given your heart to this Jesus, you've never, you've never taken the step to, to respond to the invitation and say, today I become a believer in Christ. Today I become a follower. Today I surrender my life. Today I surrender my heart. Today I realize that I don't have everything that I need. I have, I've been created for a relationship with God. Maybe you've been running. Maybe you've been hiding. But you're here this morning. Or maybe you're with us even online. Somebody, somebody invited you to be with us online. And I'm telling you what, this is the time where you can say, today I become a believer and a follower. If that's you, nobody's looking around but me. If that's you, raise your hand. Like today I become a follower of Jesus. I've never done that before. But, but today I want to become a follower. Thank you, sir. Anybody else this morning? Anybody else? Come on, this is a time to be bold. Jesus said this. This is kind of scary. Thank you. Thank you. There's a young child raising his hand. Listen, this is kind of scary, but Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father in heaven. But if you deny me before men, I will deny. I mean, that's scary stuff right there. This is a time when we boldly say, I believe.